Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MC Car Guys Podcast. Welcome. Yes, absolutely. Uh, catch us on uh, social media at MZ Car Guys. Uh, you can catch us on anchor.fm forward slash MZ Car Guys. And if you want to drop us a line, Matt, what's that little uh, thing I'm watch it? Couldn't be much easier. Yep, mzcarguys at gmail.com. So today, and this is going to be an interesting one, because uh, there's so much to unpack with this. Uh, we're moving on to the prancing horse. Yeah, Scuderia Ferrari. Scuderia Enzo Ferrari. Absolutely. So, huh. Where do we start with this? Do we start with Enzo? Or do we start with... Because, well, because well, I, I and, and, and I think we need to kind of look at this because you've got so many different things to unpack with this. You've got Enzo Ferrari himself, who is one of the most interesting, I think is the nicest <laughs> way to put it, individuals in the history of automotive. Um, you have Ferrari's storied racing history, um, which, uh, is undeniable. I mean, it's, 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 it's by far the most successful racing team in the history of formula one. Uh, it, it, you, you have the groundbreaking road cars, um, so, so I think the, with Enzo and a few stories about him and, uh, so yeah, so, so, so my thought was, I'm going to give sort of a broad sort of overview of the early years. And then Zach, you want to do a deep dive, um, after I sort of go over things and maybe clarify some yeah. things that I've mentioned. So yeah, last week, uh, no, two weeks ago, I'm sorry that uh, Enzo uh, raced for Alfa Romeo in his early days uh, in the Formula One series. And then he branched off and did his own thing and founded his own team, the Ferrari racing team. And uh, pretty soon he realized that he needed a whole lot of money to go racing. And the best way he could think of to raise that money was to start a road car uh, yep. business. And he actually hated the fact that he had to sell road cars. Yes, he did. He, his only purpose for making these despicable road cars was to fund his racing team. And yep. before we go too much further, there are some people out there who don't realize that the pronunciation is homologation or homologated, which is any road car that is based on an existing race car. I'm not going to go into details of how that comes about, but just know that that's the important part. Right? Yep. Which is why I did is homologated. Why which is why I did auto parts for 10 and a half years and you got an English degree. <laughs> fair, fair point. So um, moving on. Yep. Um, so uh, Ferrari did a, uh, ran a successful racing team, uh, did a whole lot of it. Um, do you remember his nickname? He had this really incredible nickname. It was translated something along the lines of the captain. But it was it's so much better in Italian. Do you remember what that was? I don't. Uh, it's something along the lines of il, il commendatore. Um, yeah, I'm 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 not much of it, and and, and this is the, the weirdest part. I, I know that I'm a car guy, and so forth. But I I I'm not like a Ferrari aficionado. Um, there are other automotive brands that excite me more um, than 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 Ferrari. But um, but I, I have a, a deep respect for Ferrari. So, well, <clears throat> whenever I think of this nickname of his, I always get this faint smell, this just a hint of Mussolini um, in it. Uh, which uh, the more you know about Ferrari, the more you sort of go, yeah, okay. Um, and I, so- I I think of uh, I think of a uh, slight smell of a uh, cigar and cognac. Of course you do. Uh, so and, and 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 a little bit of that old man 
body odor smell. <laughs> with a with a hint of with a hint of old grease. <clears throat> well, like many Italians, he was known for his impeccable suits and his fantastic eyewear. So, yes. Even as his body increased in size over the years, um, but uh, regardless, I mean, the car and driver made a list of the the ten cars you have to drive before you die, and one of them was the Ferrari GT two hundred and fifty, and the oh. Yeah. And the idea behind it was not the car itself, as beautiful as that car objectively is. Because if anyone who says that car isn't pretty, then I want to have a long talk with you. Um, but it was about the three-liter V12 engine in that thing. And you think about that today, like on average, an engine, modern engine, displacement is half a liter per cylinder or thereabouts, right? This is yeah, roughly. a quarter liter per cylinder? Are you kidding me? Crazy. Well, I mean, you have so I, I w- one of one of the cars that I think um, exemplifies Ferrari in its early days, at, at the absolute pinnacle of everything, um, is also the the all time record uh, most amount of money ever paid for an automobile at auction. Yeah, just a couple uh, years ago, if I remember correctly. The 1964, you know, GT, uh, 250 GTO, which sold for $70 million. $70 million. It's a car. Go ahead. Matt, you were saying? Yeah, sorry. Um, I think we lost you there for a minute. Um, so I just wanted to mention that uh, wasn't that auction price somewhere around $68 million? Uh, yeah, but I think once you kind of get to $68 million, I, I, I think it's okay to just round up. I, you know, I mean, what, once you get to $68 million, what's another two? <laughs> Maybe it was sixty-eight yeah. million, and then after like fees, it was seventy million. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not even sure. I mean, I don't have the data in front of me, unfortunately. Um, I'm not going to go into detail, but I've been my housing has been displaced for the next six to eight weeks, so uh, I don't have access to my yeah. computer to you know Wikipedia all this stuff. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've, I've got, I've got Wikipedia pulled up. Uh, the, 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 the number that I got was uh, was was seventy million from from Wikipedia. That's so that's what still, it's an extraordinary amount of money. But it was yeah. it was the only. First of all, it's it's objectively one of the best cars in the world. It has an impeccable racing pedigree, having won Le Mans multiple times. And on top of that, it's the only. Matt. Yeah, we lost him. Oh, sorry about that. Um, real quick, so it's the only uh, that has never been crashed. Yeah, which is very important. So, but yeah, I mean, one one of the things that you've really got to talk about, you know, and 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 I think dealing with with uh, Enzo Ferrari specifically. Um, is you know his his ability to really put together say, say what you want to about Enzo Ferrari and there's a lot mm-hmm. um, he knows how to organize he knows how to organize he knows how to put people together you know to you know in, in a team to really push it forward and so forth and you know, so, so when he, you know, he, he went from driving cars um, a little bit to then running Alfa Romeo's team in the 1920s. And he, he, he then went on to, you know, do racing himself and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, it was, it was 19... 39 that he created 
Ferrari, which if you history buffs will figure out, that's, uh, yeah, that's round about the time of World War II. So, but, you know, it, it was, you know, having to deal with all of that and, and so forth and just getting into the, the ridiculously highly competitive world of, of racing, um, you know, especially in, in Italy at that time, because as we've, you know, talked about it in our last, you know, our last couple of, uh, uh, of podcasts and also, you know, just throughout Europe itself, I mean, you had just on the Italian peninsula, you've got Ferrari, Alfa Romeo, Maserati, you know, all directly competing with each other. Now throw in Mercedes-Benz. Now throw in, you know, Bentley. Now throw in uh, Bugatti at the exact same time. It's ridiculously competitive. And that really formed into the highly hyper-organized sort of semi-pain in the butt that he became. <laughs> the guy so. was, as you said, the guy was amazing at getting things done. He, he oh, had yeah. an eye for things. Um, you know, he's fa- famously, you know, he, the last car that, it, road car that he ever blessed, you know, as being completely oh. up to his standards was the Ferrari F40, um, which I still Arguably. have about. Arguably uh, said by many, many, many a publication as the best driver's car ever. Yeah, there's. I, I obviously I will never get a chance to drive an F forty, but I have to wonder about all that turbo lag in terms of being the best driver's car. But okay. Well, so from what I from what I understand and from what I've heard from other people is the turbo lag actually wasn't that bad because the V8 that it's based on, or the V8 that it's attached to is actually quite powerful in its own right. And so the, the quote-unquote turbo lag <laughs> um, just meant that once you got up into the slightly higher RPMs, that's when it would kick in. So you'd already have this like powerful V8 and then all of a sudden even more power. Got it. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, they've got... So so take us back. So, okay, so we, we, we talked about uh, World War II and sort of a, a, a bit, um, sort of how things went there. And then um, anything in, in the 50s worth mentioning or do we just sort of jump right into the... Well, I mean, 1939 you know, so and just kind of... Uh, you know, you know, dur- during the war years, they, they did a lot of, I mean, shock and surprise, they, they did a lot of uh, machining work, you know, for, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the access powers and stuff. And, you know, you know, and then in, and then in 19, uh, uh, 1943, you know, they, they then moved to Marinello kind of to escape, um, you know, some of the bombing and stuff like that, uh, although it was in 1944, 1945, uh, bombed anyways, uh, but they were able to kind of, you know, put everything together and stuff. But because of the fact that they didn't, they, they really didn't have very many, uh, you know, v- very much stuff in production yet. They, they really hadn't been able to, um, you know, he had built, you know, a couple different things and stuff, but, you know, he, he because they didn't have a ton of stuff, <clears throat> um, you know, going at the time, they, uh, he, he, he was able to kind of launch himself, you know, in 1947, kind of just pick himself up and go, you know, and so from 1947 to 1961, you know, they were able to really just launch themselves back into, you know, in, into driving and so forth. Um, now, one of the things that's that's funny is in 
the in the early sixties, um, Ferrari. Uh, so Ferrari had been working with, and I can't remember who it was, uh, but they had been working with someone on their road cars and stuff to. Uh, hold on, let me get this here. Um, yeah, I'd been working with uh, someone to uh, to sell their road cars. And, you know, they they liked it and, you know, and and and, and they did very, very well in the 50s and stuff. But in the early 60s, um, he was in in talks with uh, Henry Ford the second to purchase uh, the uh, the 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 rights to uh, to sell road cars, to sell the Ferrari road cars. Um, and, and everything was perfectly fine. Everything was going in the direction. They had already talked numbers and blah, blah, blah. And then at the very last second, and I don't think anybody ever really knows what happened. Um, <laughs> uh, Enzo Ferrari just backed up for no particular reason that I can find. I mean, I'm sure maybe somebody has some speculation or whatever, but it so upset Henry Ford II that he found uh, this, uh, this American racing driver who, uh, who was having some heart problems at the time, and he had to quit racing because of that, but because he knew, you know, about cars and, you know, and about, you know, how to put everything together and so forth, uh, you, you may have heard his name before, uh, Carol Shelby. Um, Henry Ford II basically looked at him and said, okay, you're now in charge of producing a Le Mans team. And, and, and in the 60s, Ferrari was super dominant when it came to uh, Le Mans. I mean, just like, I, I can't remember how many of those races they actually won. A but yeah, a bunch. And um, I think yeah, so anyways um, yeah, sorry. Uh, so, let me so, right, I'll, I'll step in. So, yeah. um, so as a response to that, so what Ford and with Carol Shelby's generous input um, created was the Ford GT40, which was so the roof was only 40 inches off the ground, which made it really slippery and aerodynamic, especially on the Mulsanne Strait, which used to be one continuous straight with no kink in it like it has today. <laughs> yup. And cars, even in the mid-60s, were breaking 200 miles an hour on that straight. You know, running that lap, I don't know how many times they ran it in 24 hours, yeah. but it was a bunch. Um, and, um, and Ford said, look, we are going to go out, we are going to take this thing. And I think it was in 65, but please check me on that, Zach. But Ford finished That's what I'm first trying to find. and third. And just absolutely gave Ferrari the biggest middle finger that Ford and, and the United States of America could possibly manage. Yes, and put Ferrari back on their heels, big time. But the funniest thing was, is that at in, in the mid '60s, Ford was the uh, they General Motors hadn't taken over as the number one seller of automobiles. It was still Ford, and so Ford had tons of reserve cash, and it was basically just here's a blank check, go beat them. Mm -hmm. By any, any means necessary. And they did. And the, the yeah. most amazing thing is that then exactly 50 years later, Ford came back with a new GT, the current generation. I mean, I'm not yes. going to get into the early 2000s model, but with, came back with that race car and, and I finished first and second or first, second and third again. I think it was and only first and second. And it was just incredible. You know, it, the car with it, the the narrowest possible cockpit where you put in two adults of any 
any decent dimensions and you are rubbing shoulders if not virtually in each other's laps because the cockpit is so narrow for aerodynamics you know and it's carbon fiber tip to tail and there's you know the idea of sound deadening is an afterthought you know and everything else going on and the car sits what three inches off the ground when it's in in track mode and I've uh, well, I've I haven't just, seen the new. I've actually seen an original, and I've stood kind of close to it, an original GT40, and it is, it's ridiculously small. And so the, the so the new one is, I don't know. I, I've seen pictures of it, but yeah, it's. It's not that much taller. I want to say it's 42 or 44 inches off the ground. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it's some Americanized <laughs> you know, version of some. But, yeah. but wasn't the original GT40 that, that crazy thing where the, um, the gear shift was like in, in, the, in the armrest for the door or something? And it was this really small and delicate little, little thing where it was... You know, you're barely moving your hand at all, and, and it would shift gears for you. It would shift gears, and it was just craziness. Uh, hold on, let me find out. But uh, and then, of course, that that amazing bit where most of the roof was a piece of the door panel. So when you open the door, it gave you this amazing open roof idea, and it closed everything up that way. Oh, uh, the guillotine! Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, where well, yeah, you, you sat down and then you shut the door. You did not try to coordinate both of those to happen at the same time. Yeah. Because if you got it wrong, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your head or neck could get in the way and that would be incredibly painful. Um, but uh, I mean, even the replicas they make, the company Superformance that makes the GT40 is just amazing. I know we're getting off track here, but you know, this, if I'm not mistaken, check me on this, the, the GT40 beat the Ferrari 250 GT. Like, that's that's yeah. the car it beat. So we're talking about one iconic car that literally beat the manufacturer's most iconic car in quite possibly the world's most iconic race. Certainly the world's most iconic endurance race. It's just amazing, you know. Now I, 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 now that we've kind of talked about you know the fact that Ferrari you know was a little bit and and we'll get into the whole uh, thing with uh, Lamborghini um, next week. I, I I do want to bring up there is a there's another side of Ferrari, and that is he is a ridiculously loyal family man. His family was everything to Enzo Ferrari, um, and and I think you you have to talk about his son Dino. Now everybody's maybe heard of a Dino, a Ferrari Dino, um, and never really understood what it was. Normally they were uh, I think V6 models and stuff, uh, but Dino was his first son, and. Um, and and he had uh, douchey muscular dystrophy. Um, I, I don't know exactly what that is. Uh, DMD. Uh, it's a severe type of muscular dystrophy. Um, but basically, you know, he 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 had it all his life, um, and he died at the age of twenty four. Um, Ferrari was distraught when it came to his son um and and therefore he he named several several vehicles adino you know in in in, in honor of his son um which i i also it would uh, kind of bring it um to uh, uh to to current uh what just happened and so forth so uh in a, in a slightly different vein so Koenigsegg uh, just released uh, the new uh, Koenigsegg. Uh, everybody's been pronouncing it Jenko, but I actually heard in the video um, he uh, he 
yeah, uh, Christian actually uh, pronounced it Yenko because oh, he's it's actually with an, with an S. It's actually Yesko. Yesko. Sorry, sorry. Yesko. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> I pronounced it Jenko. I'm an idiot. Anyways, it's a uh, Jesko, but it's actually Yesko. Um, is is how is how Christian uh, von Konizek uh, actually pronounced it. Um, but it was it was at the unveiling, and I I I didn't cry. I got misty, but I didn't cry. Um, because he had his father there and he talked about his father who was, I guess, a race car driver and how, because this was a very kind of like really kind of like track focused car and stuff and just all about performance and everything. Um, and, uh, the fact that on E85, uh, fuel, it gets uh, 1600 horsepower and everything. And it, he, his dad knew that the car was being built. They knew that they were going to unveil it. It had a completely different name to it. <clears throat> and it was at the reveal that he told his father, I named it after you. And his dad got, you know, kind of started crying. His mom is crying. And I'm like, that's the most beautiful thing ever. So kind of, you know, dealing with, you know, with this, which, you know, with Ferrari and having his son die, and, you know, and his son always being kind of, you know, sickly and stuff throughout his life. Naming, you know, the, you know, smaller, you know, uh, displacement, you know, V6 models, uh, for the most part, uh, Dinos. Um, just, you know, just, just really kind of points to, to, to the man. And, 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 and also the fact that Ferrari really wanted, uh, Enzo really wanted his wife highly involved in the business um so that was you know a, another part of it so let's let's take that you mentioned the the fact that there's a, a v6 in in the dinos and, and there are some people yep. who still consider the dino to be not a real ferrari um and there's lots of debate about that we're not going to get into but yeah um, Let's let's talk a bit about the the history of um, particularly the the mid engine V eight in Ferrari's long and storied history because there's quite a few models that that fit that. So getting away from the V twelves, okay. Right, right. Well, the, so okay. So to back up for a minute, so yeah, so so Ferrari's road car bones, their history, if you will, is built on the front engine V twelve. And moving forward, essentially, uh, once the Lamborghini Miura came out, the first mid-engine car and, and arguably the first supercar ever developed, everyone started to realize that when you move the polar moment of inertia to the middle of the car, that you can extract a lot more performance and it changes the look and all that other good stuff. So obviously for packaging reasons, a V8 fits a whole lot better than a V12, although both have been used extensively. But let's, let's talk a bit about, do you have um, anything going back to how how early, how long ago Ferrari started using the mid-engine V12 or V8, sorry? Um, let's take a look here. Well, um, keep, keep, keep talking. I'm going to, I'll get to. That's not a problem. So um, I'm going to start actually from the earliest because that's, I'm, I'm more of a tech 21st century kind of guy, but um, we've got the new Ferrari F8 Tributo, which replaces the 488 GTB and it's it's not a stretch of the imagination to just say that it's essentially a refreshed 488 GTB, um, but it ups the horsepower by 49 to 710, and the car is roughly 85, 90 pounds lighter, something like that. But you know, it's just it's essentially looks like a, a refreshed um, 488 with some some newer tech inside and some changes on the interior and that kind of thing. And it's a fantastic looking vehicle. Um, gorgeous. And, and you go back a little bit farther, and the <clears throat> the 458, which some can argue that the 488 is just a reworked version of the 458, especially with how the the lines kind of line up and the uh, the headlights don't vary all that all that much. Just with the 488, because of the turbos, you've got those massive air intakes that are kind of reminiscent of the current NSX intakes. Um, well, the, uh, the, 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 the mid-engine V8 started with, and in Ferrari, started with the, uh, with the 1975 308. 
GTB. Way back. Yeah. Because the, the 308 is, I think, did we talk about this on air? I can't remember. Being the Magnum PI car. Um, which yeah. I love those air intakes on the 308. That is one of my favorite parts of that car. It's 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 really cool to to, to see in person. It's it's and it's a fun car to drive. It just is. You, one of the great things for I do you is cross I that it. you take that V8 and 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 bring it over four thousand RPMs, and it's just and and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I get it now, I get it now. <laughs> oh, I understand. <laughs> Um, you know, and and for I did that that beautiful gated manual for so long. I mean, um, the oh, F four thirty was the last one to get it, but the F four thirty, that was that was almost exact. That car died. Well, was moved on from almost exactly thirty years after the three hundred eight came out. That's a good run. Go, going uh, really briefly, go, going going back to the gated shifter. Do you know why? Ferrari kept the gated shifter for so long, including and and, and Lamborghini kind of, uh, you know, ki- kind of did it also. Because of race car. Because of racing cars. Because because with the gated shifter, the uh, the the drivers were driving them so hard that they were breaking shift forks. <laughs> and so they and so they had to. They had to put in these gated, you know, these 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 metal gates to kind of be like, no, let's. Right, let's it goes exactly there. It goes yeah. there, and then it goes there. Well, it, it doesn't exactly go there. Sometimes you have to push it slightly over to the, you know, it, it is good. Exactly. <laughs> right, it mostly goes there. Yeah, it, it, it's it's over there somewhere. Guaranteed maintenance, and I, I totally get why if you look at the mechanics of it all. But the fact that an F430 manual in exactly the same condition with exactly the same miles is averaging a hundred thousand dollars more than its automatic transmission counterpart it's, it's just staggering. You yeah. drive back to back, not that I've done that, but I've, I've got the general idea of it, and you go, Oh, okay, now I get it because of the Cambio Corsa gearbox that was in the uh, automatic was just reprehensible. Yeah. Uh, now, 308. So we got we got that's that's the first mid-engine V8. So then what what we got after that? Cuz I know Well, it goes the it goes the 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 308, the 348, uh 355, the 360, the F430, the the 458 and the 488 and now the new F8. Fantastic. Uh, tri- 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 so, and then, so then let's talk about then the, what, okay, how do we, how do we explain this? In, for, for gentlemen of our general age range. Yes. What was the, the poster car was not, not a 308. It wasn't even a V8 at all. It was the Testarossa. Oh, by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely the the Testarossa, uh, which was the da 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 da. Uh, Testarossa. I think the Testarossa was. Um, Are you looking for a time period? No, I know when it is. Yeah, sorry. Well, yeah. The, well, the fr- well, the Testarossa was a mid-engine twelve, was a V twelve, mid-engine V twelve. No, it was a flat. No, it was a V twelve. Look at here. Yeah, the Ferrari Testarossa is a twelve-cylinder mid mid-engine sports car. Mm-hmm. That's correct. A flat twelve, not a V twelve. But it was uh, not a boxer. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> it was done for. It was done yeah. to keep the weight, the center of gravity low. The problem yeah. was the engine was horrific to work on, and every major service was an engine out. Yeah. Yeah. Taking the engine out to replace the clutch, taking the engine out to replace the spark plugs, taking the engine out to, you get the idea. Well, but that's, that's also when cars went to, you know, what, what basically everything is now, which is where you don't remove the engine you remove 
the whole power plant. You know, it's it, it, it all comes out as one big unit. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, even, I mean, heck, even a, a Honda Accord nowadays, if if you know, you know, they they need to do something with you know major with the engine. I mean, you know, they they can reach the spark plugs, mind you, but if they have to do something major with the engine, they basically just unbolt all of the suspension and all of the linkages and stuff, and the whole thing drops out underneath it. It's true. It's it's a, the way the way of the world these days. But um, but that if I didn't if I had been born a few years earlier, I would not have thought it was possible to make the side of a sports car look better than the three hundred eight. And somehow those side strakes on that test oh. just captivated. All you had to do was see that in like a not a three quarter, but like a like just a slightly side view. Where you get a bit of those headlights coming on and that and that low hood and those strakes come in and just go, oh, oh yeah. God. Well, I mean, is there anything more eighties? Exactly. Oh, really? You know, and I was born in the mid seventies, so by the time the mid eighties came around, I was, you know, I was just astounded by that thing. It was, yeah, such, no, uh, it was... It was special. Course, you know, yeah. then it's got the funny thing like the strip that tilts away from you that makes you feel like a bus driver, and the fact that the pedals aren't where they're supposed to be, and all the other fun Italian stuff that they did. Well, and and you have you know, I mean, you had you know, with with the you know, with, with a 308, you had Magnet PI, and then with the Testarossa, of course, you had Miami Vice. And if there's any you know, like the most 80s car with the most 80s TV show. Now, what's funny is, what's funny is, is that negotiate, I'm trying to remember this right. I think negotiations with having a Ferrari in the show took so long that by the time it came time for production, Ferrari wasn't able to give them any cars. So they actually had to hand build on like tubular chassis and so forth and powered by a Chevy small block, the, uh, uh, you know, like replicas of the, of, of the, uh, of the Testarossa. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So for the first, I think couple of seasons or at least the first season, uh, the, the car that you see is not a Testarossa. It looks like a Testarossa, but it is not an actual Testarossa. It is. It's, and then, and then for I, I think, I think, I think either the second or third season, Ferrari was finally able to get them a Testarossa. Just but that also that. allowed them to be able to do. Uh, uh, um, it actually kind of worked out because they were able to do uh, more stunt work with it. That makes and sense. So you've got tubular chassis, and you know you've got an engine you're not, not afraid to mess with. Well, yeah, and, and if you wreck it, it's like who cares. Right, you know, because it's not the most yeah. valuable sports car currently being made. Um, and then I think next week we'll get into more about, you know, what the um, our, our friends at the Raging Bull were doing um, down the street from Ferrari. But uh, oh, yeah, that was that was the other 80s poster car. But uh, we'll talk about that more next week. But um, no, that that what, what is it? Oh, TR. That's what they shorted. The Ferrari TR. That's what they call it. But yeah, yeah, that that's was, the most just special huh? yeah i mean it, it wasn't the most it was all ferraris are driver's cars they're, they're they're just all driver's cars and and it's and and for and enzo had the idea that you know you you build a car to be able to perform and then you as the person have to conform to the car you know, you, you have to pay attention to what it's doing, what, you know, how it works and all of that type of thing. So er ergonomics weren't that important to him, you know, as far as that goes, you know, it was, you know, I mean, well, I mean, take case in point. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, I, I guess now, now we can talk about Lamborghini and his influence on the, on all of that. So as the story goes, uh, Lamborghini, who, was um and, and this is kind of a weird 
theme, which is they, you know, him and Portia, um, they, they, they have this background in agricultural equipment and their families really made money in the late 1800s with agricultural equipment. And in the turn of the century, uh, not this century, the previous century, um, you know, with, uh, with uh, tractors. And, and making a lot of money at it. And, and, and you can still buy Lamborghini tractors to this day. Um, but, you know, they, uh, he had done very well for himself and so forth and so on. And, um, <clears throat> hold on. Uh, da, 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 da. So I'm going to step in for a minute. So here with the, with the, Go ahead. The Countach, right, was the big vehicle that came in to, to compete against the Testarossa. And what people yes. didn't realize at the time, but now we found out this day, is there was something like, something extraordinary, like 20 Testarossas built for every Countach. It was just yes. an incredible disparity. So if you look at the rarity of the car today, if you look at, if you're a collector looking to invest in one, the, 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 well, I mean, you know, if you like the looks of it, the Countach is the one to have if you're looking to invest. Um, I mean, if, you, if you're looking to just drive it and enjoy it, then buy what looks good to you and buy what you like. But, um, you know, there are some, you know, quirks, like the fact that until recently, Pirelli was only making the Countach tires once every five or 10 years because it was a 15 inch by 335 tire. Yeah. <laughs> For the rear. <clears throat> which somehow works on the Countach. Um, but it's, and then, you know, with all the thing with the, you know, was there no wing? Was there a rear wing? Was there a front and a rear wing? And all that sort of thing. But like I said, well, well I don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much. But, um, but yeah, the, well, the I mean, the, just rose the thing. Definitely divided people as far as which, you know, which, which poster was better on your wall. And, and I mean, and admittedly, I, I was much more of, of the Testarossa, or, or the uh, sorry, the, uh, uh, the 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 Countach, the the wing and the sharp edges and all of that type of thing, Wh which is funny because Ferrari is definitely much more of the driver's car, you oh, know, absolutely. by far. Um, and and the the the, the Lamborghini is by far more of the uh, uh the, the 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 fanfare of it uh now they're really good cars and 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 especially as of late they've become even better uh, i mean my gosh the uh, any, but yeah but and we'll get that we'll, we'll get into that later but it, it all kind of came around from the early uh, the early 60s um, you know uh, uh, Ferruccio Lamborghini um, he, he had bought a car the, the story goes that, that he had bought a car for his wife and that he had um, that there was something wrong with like the clutch or something like that. Like the clutch didn't feel right to her and she kept complaining about it. And since they were in Marinello anyways, um, you know, they, they were able to, you know, kind of pop on over to the Ferrari factory and saying, Hey, this isn't right. You know, can, you know, there's something wrong with this. Can you fix it? And I guess they went through several things of this. And so finally, you know, uh, uh, Ferruccio uh, got upset and he went to the factory with the car and said, look, this isn't right. You need to fix this. And Enzo himself came out and was like, no, she just doesn't know how to drive a car. You know, she, she doesn't know how to operate the clutch and what a clutch is actually supposed to feel like. And as legend goes, you know, Lamborghini said, look, I'm going to build a car and I'm going to show you how a clutch is supposed to feel, essentially. And that's how. So through the, uh, 
through the interesting uh, personality of Enzo Ferrari. He not only created uh, one of the most storied uh, racing cars of all time, the, uh, the uh, Ford GT40. Uh, he also launched the career of Carroll Shelby, uh, who would later go on to make uh, many, uh, many cool and not so cool cars. Um, and also uh, basically pushed uh, Lamborghini, who was already thinking about making cars anyways, but basically pushed him into, uh, into the world and the fact that, you know, we now have mid-engine cars because of Lamborghini, mid-engine road cars. But back to Ferrari. So let's 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 move forward a bit. So we know that we have a long history of making front engine V12s, and and that yes. tradition continues um, with the. Give me a second. Um, <coughs> sorry, it's the F, the F12, which became which had a high performance version of the S12 F12 TDF, which became the 812 Superfast. That's what I knew I was going to be super embarrassed if I couldn't come up with that. Um, and they've now managed to get consistently to get zero to 60 times under three seconds with a front engine car, which Ferrari used to say was impossible. Um, and, it's, and those are just, just amazing. But the, the two big things, one that has happened already in the 20th century, 21st century, sorry, that Ferrari has ne- had never done before was when they came out with the FF, which was yeah. a four-wheel drive Ferrari. And yeah. it was a shooting was was because it doesn't exist anymore exactly. Um, it was a shooting brake with two rear seats, fantastically comfortable looking rear seats actually, despite the whole thing. Um, and this bizarre system where it had a separate transmission for the front, with two or three gears in the front transmission, and a bunch of weird half shafts, and the whole system disconnected automatically above X speed. Um, but yeah, was, but you could I, saw, I saw an exploded view of it and I was like, that's not real. <laughs> but it was. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. But, but I also just kept thinking to myself, if, if, if that ever breaks. Oh, God. I mean, it was, it was, it was Teutonic levels of, of complexity, which is saying something. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so so then when that when that was updated and they changed the name to avoid any stigma for it and called it the GTC4 Lusso, um, they came up with a twin turbo V8 version, the F154 engine option, and then also stuck with the uh, with the NAV12. Tremendously better. Um, without going into too much detail, essentially it's a it's not that much different in how the all wheel drive functions. It's not that different from what's being done in the Maserati, uh, Levante, and Ghibli. Um, with a couple of really simple half shafts and everything connects and disconnects really quickly and the power is modulated very, very quickly front and back and left to right. I think you have to give it to, uh, to, to, to Subaru, who's done a lot of influence on how a lot of modern all-wheel drive systems work now, which is through viscous clutches, um, you know, through throughout the differentials and stuff like that, you know, which, which, it allows it to, you know, and, and so for Ferrari with the FF going to this super ultra overcomplicated all-wheel drive system, and then finally with the GT uh, the GTC4 Lusso, you know, kind of going, okay, 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 <laughs> let's let's make this a little bit less, you know, crazy and wild and stuff, but yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful car. Oh, absolutely gorgeous. The funniest thing to me was when I saw, I don't know how I saw this, but it was in some promotional photo, and it was a Ferrari-branded baby car seat in the back of the FF. Oh. Oh, yeah. And the the trim on the car seat matched the interior of the car, which was that classic Ferrari tan. Um, It was, that was just, just hilarious. You know, for a car that starts about a quarter million dollars, it was just amazing but uh but the other thing that they're, that they're working on and they are are unofficially officially working on is what's called a ferrari xuv they refuse to make an suv so this is supposed to be an experiential 
utility vehicle, something like anyway, it's essentially going to be a lifted wagon. Um, like they all are, but um, that's going to be the thing that's either going to, it's, it's you know, it, it'll be the Cayenne of the Porsche Cayenne of the Ferrari world, essentially, you know. Well, I think, I think nowadays, and, and, and Porsche kind of, you know, pushed this forward, and that is you can be a, a super, you know, you, you can make super fast cars and, and you can be a sports car company, but you cannot realistically survive in the 21st century, uh, in, in the era of the SUV without having an SUV. But I think also with the Cayenne um, and, and Lamborghini now with the Euros, um, you can have, <laughs> excuse me, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, folks. Uh, that kind of really snuck up on me, my bad. Um, but 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 it doesn't have to be a car that sucks. You can have a really super fast and, and handles really well SUV, but you need that in order to be able to survive. Yeah, the uh, the, the detractors of the Lamborghini. Uh... Urus or Urus or however you want to pronounce it. I, I prefer Urus. Um, said that essentially, of course, <laughs> right? Of course, I do. Yeah. Um, is that the Urus is essentially a fast Audi Q7 that looks like a um, looks like an Italian version of a Pontiac Aztec on the outside. Oh, oh come! Uh, no, the, I, I can't let you get away with that one. Come on, the rear end of the the like, back end of that car. I think of like a fat Aventador. I think a fat Aventador. You know, like a Aventador after retirement, maybe. But I don't think there are the the rear three quarter in that car literally looks like an like an Aztec designed by Italians. <sighs> I I'm gonna have to really disagree. Next week, we keep bleeding into Lamborghini because it's just too easy to do. As we sort of wrap this thing up and bring it to a close, I mean that's the 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 thing too about the fact that Ferrari survived this long without an SUV is really a testament of the fact that for most of the 21st century, the Ferrari is the most valuable brand in the world. Oh, by far. They have an amusement park in Italy. They've got and they've got a shopping mall, an entire mall dedicated to Ferrari merch. And what was the brand that beat them out a few years ago? Lego. So you know, it's at that level. So yeah. Just... Well, I, I I think of of because we we we've had this theme of passion, you know, for for the Italian automakers, and I think when it comes to you know Italian, uh, you know, speed and and racing. And, and performance and so forth and so on, I, I don't think you can get more of a passionate um, fan base than Ferraris. I just, I, I don't, I mean, I, mean, I mean, can you think of a single automotive manufacturer that has a, a more rabid fan base? Well, I'd be hard pressed to think of anything. The air cooled 911 guys are. There's less of them, but they're definitely as passionate about, if not more passionate. You definitely don't get, you don't get, you don't get 911 douchebags wearing Porsche gear from head to toe, including some crazy little, little hat walking around the same way you get the prince and horse guys walking around, even though all they're doing is leasing a Portofino. No, no. With the 911, you get a whole different kind of douchebag. Um, it's, it's definitely different. And the last thing I want to say just about them on the subject, just before I let you say whatever you want, um, is Porsche guys tend to, when they get together, they tend to brag about how many miles their Porsche has done. 
for our guys to get together and brag about how few miles their car is driven. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's you know now now me me personally as a car guy I I I like the uh, the 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 Jay Leno model, um, which is these cars need to be seen. They need to be driven. They need to be out and about for for people to see them. You know they they he wants his cars to be able to be seen and 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 and, and all of that. And I think with Ferraris, which is which interestingly enough, Jay Leno doesn't own any Ferrari. Out of his entire car collection, he does not own a single Ferrari. And do you remember why? Because uh, they're too. He thinks that they're too expensive. Yep, they're overpriced for what you get. Yeah, but but I just think that you know it, it's. Ferrari as a brand has probably one of the most consistent histories of awesomeness. Like I, I, I can't see. I mean, for, let, let me let me let me put it to you this way: a Ferrari at its lowest point as far as cars being built and so forth and so on and, 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 and cars that they've produced um, is greater than most other car manufacturers at their highest. I'd say that's fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, the, whereas with Porsche, they've been kind of this steady-ish, kind of a thing you know just just almost completely just like flat line like we're gonna make this rear engine rear drive thing work you know it's we're bound to determine um and you know and but i mean just from the start just from you know the the 1947 you know 125s you know all the way up to you know the, you know the the, the brand new, uh, what was it that was just announced? That coming F8 Tributo. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the F eight Tributo. Uh, I mean, it's just phenomenal. I mean, just fantastic cars, one right after the other. Say what you want to about the design. Um. You know, and, and they've been designed by, by many people, you know, Pinaferina, Bertone, uh, you know, just, you know, a lot of a lot of other ones. But they've all been fantastic cars. And and I think that that, that, that really kind of speaks to even though he was a very polarizing person. Uh, he had a very um, kind of a passionate personality, I think we'll kind of say. Um, but it was, you know, it, it, it goes all the way back to how successful Alfa Romeo was during racing while he was there, while he was their manager. The man knew how to put together a team. He knew how to organize people, how to get them motivated in the proper direction. He had a forward-thinking vision. And he knew how to properly push people in that direction. Sometimes that pissed people off. But I think you, you cannot argue with the results and the fact that he died in 19 um, uh, 1988 and 30 years on Ferrari is still uh, its own company for the most part 
and they are still pretty dominant in racing and their road cars are still considered one of the most premium out there how many companies can you say be able to do that I think that's a good point to end it I think that's a podcast yep absolutely Matt appreciate it uh, we are MZ Car Guys. Uh, reach out to us on uh, our uh, at mzcarguys at gmail.com. And uh, Matt, room, room. <laughs>